The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a good football show. I am Patrick Darty, joined today by Denny Carter. We're going to take a spin through the league's latest news before welcoming in our newest teammate, Mr. Lawrence Jackson, to discuss his favorite rookie running backs and take a look at some veterans he believes are poised to bounce back in 2022. But first, Denny, I believe you have an earth-shaking announcement to make about your 2022 fantasy drafting strategy, and you might be changing up the kind of players that you target when assembling your teams. It's a, it's a big idea and I'm going to try to distill it here uh, for the listeners. Uh, I've committed in best ball drafting this year uh, to playing the best plays to drafting the best players. Uh, no matter, no matter position I'm done thinking is what I'm saying. I'm uh, I'm, I'm finished with thinking. I've done enough thinking. Um, last year I found myself, uh, looking at week 16 and 17 schedules to determine who I would pick in the yeah. later rounds. This is the theater of the absurd. It's enough, enough thinking. We're drafting based on pure gut. I said on Twitter, I will be like a lion with a slab of meat. Uh, I will have no gods and no masters in best ball this year. So what you're saying is that spending 60 to 70% of your summer gaming <laughs> out which number three running backs might average 8.3 PPR points after November 10th. Maybe hasn't been the best use of your professional and personal time. Man, uh, uh, you, you said it. You said it well. Some would say that you couldn't have said it better. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, enough is enough. If you look, if you look at the teams that that win the big best ball stuff, they're just ordinary looking teams. Like it's not like some like insane strategy worked out where. You know, whether, you know, in my case, it's not like the, the the winners of these tournaments don't take running backs until the 15th round, or it's not like they start with with eight running backs off the off the uh, start. So it, it just uh, I'm 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 tired of it. I'm tired of overthinking. I will still probably overthink a little bit, but I'm trying to ratchet down the actual thought that I put into these drafts. But Denny, so if you ratchet down the actual thought, that means you might just start drafting actually good players. And if you start drafting actually good players, does that leave the brand just in tatters? Completely, uh, and it probably endangers my uh, my my job here at NBC Sports. <laughs> I'm 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 supposed to be the guy who rants and raves about uh, borderline fantasy options. But it, what this probably means is that I'm just going to end up taking a lot of running backs, right? I mean, that's that's, that's, that's true. What well, yeah, as part of our very complicated <laughs> legal agreement we have that allows your continuing employment here after. Years and years of negotiations, millions, untold millions in legal fees. You are not allowed to draft any good football players. So this reopens the agreement and, of course, again, puts you on extremely thin ice with the NBC Universal Corporation. Yeah, well, it's a it's a risk that I'm willing to take in order to, you know, win a little money in best ball, which would which would be a nice change, I think, you know, for me. What I think what happened here. All of a sudden, you're willing to draft good players. It's almost like you're a new human. Did you bet on the horsey who was 80 to 1 odds to win the Derby in Kentucky on Saturday, didn't he? Yeah, like I told you uh, via text, I, uh, I I put the, the mortgage on uh, that horse. That, that name horse's was. name that we know. Yeah, uh, red, red velvet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> lucky strike. I think I he was remember. a red square. Yeah, um, I, I actually I actually bet it all on uh, Tis the Bomb. And <laughs> it, 
it didn't I'm, work out actually. I'm just typing Kentucky Derby horse winner, Rich Strike. Um, what's his name? And you know, I actually have a real story about that. He was yeah, the the longest odds to ever win the Derby. And Denny, I was at a a what is known as a bachelor party um on over the weekend yeah yeah how'd that go i, I wasn't jealous at all go ahead tell me about it <laughs> I was at a bachelor party in Asheville, north carolina as being like the sports guy i kind of engineered a mini derby pool where just between the five of us where i randomly assigned four horses to just five people each and it was only for twenty dollars um, but i had horse number 20 who was then scratched uh before the race and then entered number 21 rich strike and then suddenly he won the Derby. And let's no. just say amongst my non-sports friends, there may have been some accusations of, you know, like uh, having mafia associates or right, uh, right. a fix appeared to be in. But uh, Well, everybody knows that you spend uh, just unbelievable amounts of time studying horse racing, uh, studying the odds. You've written several books on horse racing. <laughs> and, and, you know, and so, and so, you know, they, they know that going in. So I, I would be suspicious myself. Yeah, producer Adam uh, actually corrects me. He, it was the second longest odds to ever win the Derby after, of course, the famed Donna Rail in 1913. Who could forget that one? Someone should tell the mainstream media this fact because uh, <laughs> I've heard the opposite uh, about 400 times since since Saturday. There's been so much Donna Rail erasure. It's like uh, no one even remembers the past 109 years around here anymore. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We we should remember Donna Rail. Who's, Donna who's Rail named... I mean, or Dunn Rail? I don't know how you pronounce yeah, this. It, whose name I've heard. Yeah, we were we were talking about it before the show, like we do every week. Right. When is Donnerail gonna finally get his due? Maybe Rich Strike will finally put Donnerail back in the public consciousness. Please, D Denny. The first thing you wanted to talk about today was the New York Giants' offense. Um, yeah, that powerhouse unit led by Daniel Jones. You know, the one where all the fantasy points are gonna be. I, mean, I joke, but this is going to be a very fascinating group, both talent wise and ADP wise. Got a lot of wild cards, kind of highlighted by Saquon Barkley, Kadarius Tony. I mean, even like a Kenny Galladay bounce yeah. back type of thing, which Lawrence Jackson may talk about later in the show. Sure. You believe you are currently kind of like higher than the industry right now when it comes to the Giants' ADP? Just, just kind of lay on us what you wanted to say about the Giants' offense. Right. And look, I, I don't love doing this because, uh, you know, I've had uh, issues with the Giants fan base in the past. So this is purely objective analysis. You You can believe that. Okay. Always objective from you. It, it, well, not always, but this is, uh, you know, the, the coaching staff, including Brian Dayball, have, have, have uh, talked a lot over the past few weeks about, you know, getting Daniel Jones to play more instinctually, to, to have him take those shots downfield, to be aggressive rather than to check down. This is the complete opposite language that we're used to hearing out of the Giants under Joe Judge and, and Jason Garrett. Who, who said time and again to the media, you know, we want Daniel Jones to basically manage the game and let's not make the big mistake. Let's take care of the ball. This is what we need Daniel Jones to do. Now, uh, he didn't, you know, that strategy was a complete failure. In fact, it probably will cost Daniel Jones his spot as starter. I mean, they didn't they didn't pick up his fifth year option. He's probably gone after this year unless he has a really good year, which I guess I'm, I'm predicting. So maybe he'll be back. Anyway, uh, I, I like the language coming out. I like the fact that since the beginning of 2020, Pat, uh, only two quarterbacks have a higher EPA on pass on downfield passings passes than Daniel Jones. This is this is something that we should pay attention to because he has what used to be about 18 months ago one of the league's premier downfield pass catchers in Kenny Galladay. Like that can line up, that can match up very nicely if they get it going this year. The problem with Galladay is that he's one of the premier downfield pass catchers, but he, he's one of the premier downfield pass catchers like in traffic, which is where Daniel right. Jones right. has always feared to tread. And we of course we came, we were talking about this last week, I think, where we both like independently discovered yeah. like Daniel Jones is I discovered this last offseason they signed Galladay, actually, that he's like actually when he does throw downfield, he's actually one of the better graded downfield passers the problem is is that he literally never does it like ever very seldom very seldom but he has been successful on those and he th he th apparently according to people who watch games uh, he throws a nice deep ball um he also have you know i mean besides the the, the the passing aspect which is important with the quarterback obviously he he's highly athletic he can pr uh, produce on the ground 
some of his best games uh, at, in for fantasy purposes, at least, saw him rush, you know, six, eight, ten times, uh, including near the end zone. You know, if we can get that back, I think we could have like, you know, if, if you're going late round quarterback this year, which, you know, is it depends on the kind of league you're in, the the, the savvy of your league mates. I think Daniel Jones stands out as as one of the top uh, options because of that rushing upside. Well, Denny, here I thought you were actually going to start drafting good players. Now you're talking about late round quarterback. Uh, yeah, here we go. Here we go. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. The, the good news is late round quarterback is that you still do get actually good players. And the thing with Brian Dable and Daniel Jones is like, it might not be just talk because I mean, this is how Brian Dable got the job was by playing that kind of, of course he got the job by having like a nuclear warhead at quarterback <laughs> and Josh right. Allen, but he did get the job playing this kind of hyper aggressive, not afraid to throw, not afraid to abandon the run offense, like not just checking down just for the sake of it. And of course, Daniel Jones, you talked about all Daniel Jones's player attributes. I mean, he is, kind of like a poor man's Josh Allen, at least as runner. I mean, true emphasis on poor man's, but like he actually can like uncork some big runs and he's like certainly come to the right place. You know, the actions, of course, speaking maybe a little louder than words with the Giants. I don't know how much promise they really see here, seeing as they did not, of course, exercise Daniel Jones's fifth year team, which for no sane person would have argued no. that they should. But like it's maybe it's noteworthy that they didn't delude themselves into thinking, oh yeah, he's going to be an instant hit in this offense, you know. So they're even if they have expectations, they are already hedging by not exercising the fifth year team option. But of course, again, no one would have recommended that. But like yeah. the Panthers, you know, like deluded themselves and like immediately exercised the option on Sam Darnold. The Giants did not make the same mistake. Also, I, I think that you know it's it's easy to like undersell the the talent level of the Giants' offense because it was so egregiously awful last year because of the because of the coaching and because of injuries, of course. But you know, a, a, an offense with with Galladay at full health, uh, with Kadarius Tony, one of the most electric, productive uh, slot guys in the league last year during his little run in the middle of the season, Sterling Shepard, who is who has proven productive. And, you know, the guy, Saquon Barkley, you know, like I know, I know it's, it's easy and fun to dunk on Barkley and say, oh, well, they, you know, they shouldn't have taken him in this first round. Well, that's probably true. It doesn't change the fact that Barkley can be a game changing guy when he is healthy. And when he was healthy for about 10 seconds last year, he actually was really good. So let, I, th this is a, this is a talent packed offense. I think Dable can get the best out of it. Yeah. In theory. I mean, even Wandale Robinson's, you know, they're like offensive weapon type I mean, Darius. So Kenny Galladay is one of the better downfield threats at like winning in traffic. Whereas Darius Slayton's like one of the better downfield threats at just like winning with speed. It's like, there's a, like a lot of varied skill sets here and it, I mean, the offense should not be anywhere near as bad as it was last year. I mean, they have not blocked for several years. I will say that. Um, Daniel Jones, of course, can make an offensive line look worse than it actually is, but it is a deep and varied skill set. Sterling Shepard, of course, rehabbing a major injury. Yes, right. but uh, there's a lot to work with here. As, you know, hopefully, they don't trade Kenny Galladay. This seemed to be kind of one of the more like fake rumors and like seemed to be like a pure motivational ploy um, from the Giants. I don't think that was there was actually anything to that. Galladay but, seems like the kind of guy who could use a little motivation. I no, not not Galladay. Sorry, it was a. Uh, Canaries Tony. Oh, him too. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> him yeah. too. Well, they they were they were pissed because he didn't show up for uh, yeah. the not, not the mandatory workouts, but the uh, optional workouts. And yeah, it has been a very interesting two years for Kenny Galladay as well. Uh, yeah, maybe yeah. now that he's actually on a team that might win some football games, he might catch some passes, folks. Yeah, um, I mean the, the the team obviously under different circumstances and management last year but the team was not happy about Kadarius Tony's offseason situation no. last year they they weren't this year he did show up like right after those trade rumors started circulating so I, th I think he got the message let's hope the message uh, sticks with him yeah please don't trade Kadarius or actually maybe do trade Kadarius trade him like the Packers or something oh man um, that'd be pretty cool trade Kadarius Tony the Packers or you heard it here first Denny, I don't believe you were a party to this, but we recently had an intense Slack discussion mm -hmm. debating the proper depth chart order of the Chiefs' wide receivers with kind of a number one case made for Juju Smith-Schuster, like a number two case made for Marquez Valdez-Scantling, yeah. kind of like every positional case made for Sky Moore. Just kind of how – what do you see the pecking order in the post-Tyree kill Chiefs receiver core and like – it could be weird because we were debating like, well, Marcus Valdez Scantling might play like the most snaps actually 
but I guess like just how do you see like basically the one, two, three, maybe the target shaking out in this post Tyreek Hill Chiefs offense? I did see that Slack exchange and uh, I, I slowly backed away. Uh, yeah, it actually got fairly heated <laughs> from the raging fire. And I thought because I was like, you know, I was like writing up a message. Oh, well, have you considered? Never mind. <laughs> you know, yeah, that was a good one to back away. If you didn't really, we'll, need uh, to maybe I'll, I'll go uh, make some uh, NBA lineups. Well, anyway. you were gonna you were gonna say Michael Hardman should be number one. Um, I, I think you so. Left. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, maybe, maybe. I mean, so yeah, t- t- take look, us through your thoughts. Look, they they've talked him up constantly since Tyreek Hill was was traded. They originally drafted him to replace Tyreek Hill when Tyreek Hill was facing, you know, a major suspension or kicked out being kicked out of the league. I mean, you know, this is, we have short memories, but, but this is something that happened. And um, in, in the game that Tyreek Hill missed, we talked about this missed at the end of last year with a heel heel injury suffered during warmups, you know, Hardman, Hardman. Yeah. Let Hardman led the the team in pass routes. He, he, he led the team in targets. Uh, I'm not saying that, that Juju Smith Schuster's addition to this and MVS's addition to this offense means nothing. Of course it means something. Uh, but but I do think that those like uh, those kind of yak routes that Tyreek Hill got that were so valuable for fantasy are going to be funneled exclusively to Hardman. He's the one guy, I guess, I guess Sky Moore, but I, I, I think I think that that may may come later down the road. Uh, he's the one guy who who projects as someone who can pick up that that kind of workload. Now, the downfield stuff. Hardman was really not used last year down the field, almost not at all. So I think the MVS gets that, and maybe Juju Smith-Schuster gets the boring over the middle targets. But I'm I'm prioritizing Hardman right now. I mean, that's kind of a key is that they're not they they are just like fully replacing Tyreek with two players. Like MVS and Hardman are going to kind of doing this like piece by piece, and you can't. There's no like plug and play replacement for Tyreek Hill. And I don't, when I think of the Chiefs receiver core, I I do think, I mean, maybe I'm like a prisoner, like the 2018 moment or something, but I have a hard time believing Juju Smith-Schuster is not going to lead the receiver in targets. I, I really do. Man, um, I, I can't get I can't get with that mindset. I mean, this guy has been struggling, I'll, I'll say, you know, generously struggling for years now to, and he, he's it's not, it's not, you know, that, that 2018 season is not coming through the door, I don't think. No, but you know he has alibis for each of the past three years, basically, where the Big Ben injury happens early in 2019. Big Ben essentially is a like ghost at quarterback the past two years. Um, he's never been had a successful season fantasy or otherwise without Antonio Brown. That is true, but uh, so you know, say Juju Smith-Schuster is reliant on other people. To post big fantasy numbers, uh, he does now have Patrick Mahomes at he quarterback. Does. He does, and uh, he does. Even though Travis Kelsey now appears to maybe be in his decline phase, he still has Travis Kelsey, who occupies a lot of defensive attention over the middle of the field. And I just don't see how anyone else emerges like as the target hog. And like the Chiefs, well, I think they'll probably split the difference between like their deep attacks and like last year's like underneath obsessed approach where MVS is going to be just getting downfield targets. I mean, there's just no other way to use him. I mean, Miko might get some, I mean, Sky Moore could get some. Um, And I just think Juju is going to be like the cleanup man, like the true, like maybe like a, like like his Jarvis Landry moment has arrived here. I could see that. Speaking of Kelsey, I think that we may be, you know, underselling the impact of Tyreek Hill's absence on, on Kelsey. I, I know he is in the decline phase of his career. There's no doubt about that. But like, for instance, what, you know, we, we recently ranked players. I'll give people a little peek behind the curtain. I ranked Travis Kelsey one over Mark Andrews. Now it's close, obviously, but I think that with the Ravens likely to be run heavier this season uh, and, and I, Tyreek Hill's absence from the Kansas city offense, I think Kelsey is, is like, I could see like absurd target numbers in that offense. I did rank Mark Andrews first, by the way. Yeah, check out the NBC Sports Edge Roto World NFL Draft Guide coming later this summer. We're working hard on it now. Uh, we will be right back. We have a very special edition of a good football show following the NFL schedule release later this week. Join myself, Sarah Perlman, Drew Densick, and Patrick Corain on Friday at noon Eastern as we dig into the marquee matchups, analyze team win totals 
and predict who we think will be crowned divisional champions in 2022. That is this Friday at noon Eastern. Sarah Perlman, Drew Densick, Pat Crane, and me, the other Pat, discuss the 2022 NFL schedule release. Denny, a Ravens backfield with two rehabbing early down runners and little clarity heading into 2022 has added a day three change of pace option in Mizzou's Tyler Beatty. Do you think Beatty will crack this running back rotation or is J.K. Dobbins, who we really have not seen a ton from at the NFL level after two years, will he actually begin to maybe live up to his three down destiny? Just kind of what are your initial thoughts on this Ravens backfield? Maybe this new look Ravens backfield, yeah. two hopefully healthy guys returning and another like kind of potential change, change up option in the mix. There's a, uh... Very little indication that the Ravens want J.K. Dobbins to be like the every down guy catching all the pat running all the routes out of that backfield. Like, you know, I, I think their their draft showed first of all, trading away Marquise Brown, uh, drafting a hundred uh, tight ends, blocking tight ends, a lot of tight ends, and an offensive lineman, Ryan Pace level of tight ends, yeah, yeah, and uh. I think that this all kind of points to them getting back to Ravens basics, which is basically just running the ball until they literally can't do it anymore. Uh, and that would, that I think that would speak to a team that, that wants multiple backs involved. Um, and, and so, yeah, JK Dobbins will probably be first in the pecking order, but I don't think that, you know, he gets that, that all valuable, uh, you know, pa- passing game action that, that, you know, we want, we want him to get uh, as, as fantasy managers, um, and also the, you know, they signed Mike Davis on, on Tuesday. Um, this is, you know, I know Mike Davis is 29 years old and, you know, hasn't really shown much, is but he under 30, is that for real age 29 season this year? Really? Um, it's been wow. in the league for 16 years. I thought and... you were saying 69 years. <laughs> no, that's disgusting. But, uh, yeah, he, he, uh, I, I would say just, keep it, you know, pay a little bit of attention uh, to Mike Davis because he, he profiles to me as like a, a, a great Ravens back because the Ravens, they showed last year with Devontae Freeman and Latavius Murray. They want veteran backs who a don't make huge mistakes and B they get what's blocked. Nothing more, nothing less. That's Mike Davis. So just, you know, pay attention to him a little bit. It is weird too. Cause they've been a little cagey on the return timelines. John Harbaugh claimed they could begin camp on the pup list, which doesn't really mean anything. A lot of times people begin camp on the pup list like two or three days just because they didn't pass the conditioning test. But he didn't – it was notable when the coach didn't be like, yeah, they'll be cleared for training camp. Yeah. And you know, But very serious injuries. For, but it would be very concerning, I would say, for J.K. Dobbins if he spends any amount of time on the pup list, even if it's a formality, because that injury happened last August. And now, I mean, 12 months now for an ACL, like yeah. you're expected to be back after like six or seven, basically. And that would be kind of a huge red flag if like J.K. Dobbins actually was not ready to go to begin camp. But so we talked about our, so we are, we're, we're working on our draft guide rankings. Um, where did you rank J.K. Dobbins? Because that was one where I just felt like, mm-hmm. like, oh, that's too high. That's too, he was the one where I just, every single place. Yeah. I couldn't find a spot basically oh. that felt right for J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm actually surprised to see I have him here, but uh, uh, RB20, that's where I have Dobbins. So you have RB22. Yeah, you're surprised you remembered to rank him, you mean? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm surprised I had him that high. I, oh, okay. I, I, I thought I you meant like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm a no, no, no. I thought professional I would have had him ranker. Lower. And like, uh, yeah, I know. I, uh, yeah, RB22 even feels kind of high to me, but. Yeah, I mean, I put him right around Antonio Gibson. Uh, Elijah Mitchell, like, you know, like guys with like a lot of question marks, I guess, I guess there's a scenario where Dobbins could take on a a bigger workload down, down the line, you know, especially if Gus Edwards has any issues with it coming back from this injury. um, And they don't really have like another early down banger type. uh, But, but they, they do have Beatty who would take the the passing down stuff. Although, you know, the, the passing down role of the Baltimore backfield, it's, it's, you know, basically defunct for fantasy purposes. Like Lamar Jackson's not, not going to turn into Matt Ryan, you know, maybe like, it'll finally kind of happen. Now. I mean, that the, the pass catcher core is just so depleted. I will say is. as a guy who's seen probably every touch Tyler Beatty has ever taken, he probably is ultimately undersized to handle much of an early down role in the NFL, but he was not exactly an early down zero at Mizzou. I mean, he was one okay. of the, 
absolute best pure runners in the SEC last year. So it's not like he could make himself useful in a lot of ways. He's the kind of guy who could like force himself onto the field. I, in no means am I saying he's going to be like in the mix to be like leading on early sure, downs. Sure. But uh, he has a pretty interesting overall skill set. And a final thought on J.K. Dobbins is just, even when you're a really talented player, even when you're a high draft pick, J.K. Dobbins is a top 60 draft pick. I mean, life moves very fast at running back. And at the end of the day, he's going to be 24 this season and has 134 carries after two yeah. years in the NFL. Like, we're, it's probably still the best assumption that he's going to be the lead runner. But, like, things just change so quickly at running back. Like, you know, if you lose, like, even 2 or 3%, like your lateral agility, yeah. your lateral, like things just, so just like maybe just make sure you're monitoring the JK Dobbins news and updates this summer is what I would say. That's right. And, and, and the, the, remember the Ravens are not a team that will say ever that we're committed to this guy as no. our lead back. Like they, they don't play that game. We saw that last year, even when Latavius Murray had some nice games, boom, Devonte Freeman's in uh, and, and taking over his lead back. So they don't, they don't play that game. We're getting ready to welcome in Lawrence Jackson in a few minutes, and he's sitting in like our digital green room, and I'm he's suffering in silence as we talk about <laughs> the awful Ravens running backs from last year. Uh, Lawrence will be here in just a few minutes, but Denny, a messier backfield than Baltimore's resides in Miami yeah. with early down grinder Sony Michelle uh, now joining the likes of Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, uh, Miles. Who else is still? There's a lot of running backs. Um, yeah, they have what are your 11. thoughts on a lot of running backs in Miami? Yeah, they have about eleven running backs. And remember, you know, Mostert is a, a a signing, you know, from San Francisco coming into the system, w w in which he's very familiar. Uh, you know, of course, there's there's always the injuries with with him, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think people would point to Chase Edmonds as the the most likely guy to, you know, lead the Miami backfield. And, you know, just looking through his game logs, he he has over, what is he, three seasons, four seasons in the league. Uh, he has 10 games of more than 11 rushing attempts. So, you know, not exactly like a work, a proven, a proven workhorse. Now, you know, that doesn't mean that he won't be involved in the in the passing game and to a, you know, if if he is truly the the starter, which I guess he is, uh, you know, he, he's going to be, um, you know, he, he is prone to, to dumping it off and to those, those short passes. So that, that could be good for, for Edmonds, but I see Edmonds as the most likely to be overdrafted maybe by a long shot in redraft this year. You mean, even before they signed Sony Michelle, it was hard to see the path to basically increased touch counts. And it doesn't matter if it's like a new coaching staff, a new team, like, once you have been typecast as that change of pace back, it like it just doesn't change at the NFL level. Like there's just there's almost never an exception to the Duke Johnson yeah. rule, basically. Like once right. you become like this guy's a third down change of pace back, like that's like what you are. It like doesn't matter. So I and and I hear this argument. We have we have a, a, a good listener in the, the comments, and I hear this argument on Twitter all the time. Chase Edmonds is being paid, they say, you know, but he's being paid the most by by a long, long shot in the backfield. And that's true. That is true. It also means uh, precisely nothing. You know who was uh, paid the most in the 49ers backfield was uh, Kyle Juszczyk. Yes. Um, that's so, right. yeah, the Niners. By the way, Mike McDaniel. So I made a big deal about, uh, like, oh, Mike McDaniel. Like, this guy, he comes into Miami, and he didn't immediately force them to sign an ex-49ers yeah. running back when they yeah. signed Chase Evans. I'm like, wow, this is progressive thinking here. And yeah. then, yeah, like two days later, they signed Raheem Mostert. And then I remembered that Chase Edmonds had like some of his biggest games of his career against the 49ers. And like, I think it might, it actually was this like very old school football brain for Mike. Oh, this guy had some good games against us. Oh, Raheem Mostert knows the system. Oh my gosh. That's so. really horrifying. And uh, that, uh, that that's absolutely the, the case. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, it's they, the case. Coaches love signing players who did well one time against them. Do you think, uh, I mean, is Sonny Michelle going to make the team? You think? Um, uh, sure. Sure. I mean, he actually know. will. And he's actually going to get carries. I actually yeah. just, I realized this on the spot. He, he's going to make the team and get work. There's like I no think, way. I think they, they could be surprisingly run heavy if, if they're good uh, this year. And, you know, a guy like Michelle is like custom made to, you know, just get like four or five yards up the middle. Like he did last year with, with the Rams, like nothing special, but a huge workload. Like teams, 
teams clearly feel very comfortable giving it to Sony Michelle um, as as a guy who who won't make huge errors, you know, but also won't break off long runs and can't outrun anybody. But that doesn't matter to them. Yeah, they they carry the football and then things happen like they right. fall yeah. after three yards. So this is this is part, you know, getting back to the, the first thing we talked about at the intro. We're thinking too much. You, you you have to consider how teams view these guys, especially running backs, instead of saying, well, well he, you know, he jumped out of the gym, you know, in, in at the combine. He he's the fastest guy in the backfield. That it doesn't matter at all. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about that. Yeah, coaches want you to just be reliable and average 3.8 yards per carry. Yes. So and, uh, so we have to adjust. Adjust. We must adjust, and we must return right after this with Lawrence Jackson. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands by predicting what will happen in the NBA playoffs Premier League or the PGA Tour and NASCAR circuit, go check it out now. It is now our pleasure to welcome in our newest writer, podcaster, all-around social media superstar, Lawrence Jackson. You should already be familiar with him, but you're going to see seeing and hearing him a lot more. Lawrence, uh, how are you doing today in your beautiful Atlanta Braves ball cap? I'm good, man. I'm actually wearing an Al Horford jersey right now since he went <laughs> off. Like, just, yeah, just so people know where he started off at, you know. Um, but yeah, man, I'm feeling good. Good to uh, be part of the team full time. Uh, it really felt like it though. Once that check hit my account, then I really knew. <laughs> then I really knew it was for real. I was like, all right, because you know, before that, I'm shaking. I'm nervous. I'm like, something gonna happen. But it's all good, man. It was, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a joke being played by ex NBC funny man Jay Leno. Are you saying? Uh, are you saying they pay you? I I wasn't aware of that. Uh, that arrangement. Lawrence, yeah, they thanks, fin- man. They finally decided to do that. At I, least this time, at least. Yeah, yeah, Lawrence, you're not supposed to mention around Denny that people get paid to work here. Denny, yeah. forget I said that. I'm a I'm a, I'm an intern. That's all. <laughs> Work hard, baby. One day you'll be here. So Lawrence is actually cashing checks, unlike somebody. And uh, (laughs) we're going to be talking some rookie running backs you like, Lawrence. But first, let's start with some bounce back veterans you like for the 2022. See, this is a topic we've been getting into a lot this month. Since we have had the draft and free agency finally come and go, we finally know, like by and large, what the rosters are going to be. Like you can really start projecting in earnest. Who is a veteran you like to bounce back in 2022? Well, first, man, I'm going to touch on a guy I was just talking about earlier, uh, and that's Kenny Godday from the New York Giants. And uh, a couple of these guys that I'm going to speak on is mainly because they ain't got nowhere to go but up. Uh, so, you know, Kenny Godday last year in fantasy finishes uh, wide receiver 79 in PPR, right? So he got to at least – cut that in half I think I got him ranked at about wide receiver 36 or something right now um he, he missed time with the injury um so he should get some gains back to be able to produce as you know he has Brian Dable or the ball however y'all I think say I've settled that. on Dable Dable yeah that's what I say too 
Um, <laughs> they, they've got the new coach and everybody got their fingers crossed. Well, people inside the Giants building had their fingers crossed that Danny Dimes is going to become like at least the normal starting franchise quarterback, which should be good enough for uh, Kenny Godday to uh, greatly surpass what he did uh, last season. Yeah, just be normal, Danny. Please just be normal. He guy's not really normal in any way. He's kind of like, he doesn't have the normal demeanor of an NFL quarterback. He seems kind of like a nice boatman, sort of. He's kind of an interesting, unique person. He got like that. He got like, he don't got the Eli look, but he got the wannabe Eli look. It's like a halfway teenage scowl that he got going. Like, you look at him, you know he went to Duke. I was going to say, let's just be real. Like, when you look at this guy... It's not a shocker when you hear that he went to Duke. Um, yeah, not can a shocker. We, uh, can we get a haircut for Daniel Jones that doesn't make him look like a lawyer in 1985? <laughs> you know, that, that's all Speaking of Jay Leno, he looked like he could be his son. Wow, he does actually. Oh my god, that's a really, really, really good point. And uh, of course, uh, half our audience has no idea who Jay Leno even is. So <laughs> right, probably never good. seen the Tonight Show. They got, they with got Jay Leno. Going to Kenny Galladay really quick. I'll say basically, I agree with the logic that there's essentially nowhere to go but up for Kenny Galladay because unless his legs are just totally gone, he's not this bad of a player. And I will say the only risk is that there is a non-zero percent chance just that his legs could be gone. Like Mm -hmm. he entered the NFL as a 24-year-old rookie. He's now lost like a big part of two seasons to lower body injuries. He's kind of guy who was never like Mr. Separation. Like I say, he's Mr. Like kind of like hand fighter on the sidelines, a very physical role. And it's happened to guys, you see it happen to guys like Hakeem Nix in the past, a former giant. And just like, there's a chance that maybe he's just never going to be the same player again, but that's not the most likely outcome. And as long as this guy's legs just aren't totally gone, there's almost no way. Yes. With the coaching upgrade, this is kind of the everything upgrade for the giants on offense this off season that he's not going to at least bound – worst-case scenario is be he's like a role-playing wide receiver four, I feel like, in fantasy, which is kind of how you had him ranked, Lawrence. Yeah, like yeah and, it, and, that, and that means is, you know, it, when we're talking about fantasy, there's not much risk there because he's cheaper now at this time than he was last year if we are uh, talking about uh, redraft here. Now, the problem could come with there being uh, not enough targets to go around. Um, that could be his issue, too, if his <clears> – <throat> You know, legs don't give out on his. I think he's thirty years old now. He's gonna be twenty nine this year. Yeah, so that could be the other issue too, because you got Kadarius Tony in limbo. You got Saquon Barkley, who if he plays, he's good for at least sixty catches. Um, they just drafted Wandale Robinson, and you still got it, it's it's confusing. But uh, like you just mentioned, uh, his high his his ability to high point the ball. Uh, should uh greatly uh improve his uh upside, especially when it when you get down near the red zone. So that's kind of what you're banking on if you take that shot on him later on. Denny, you have any leftover Kenny Galladay thoughts? Well, yeah, I mean, he was an air yards monster in Detroit. Uh, that's something I, you know, I'm not joking when I say we forget that. I forget that. You know, yeah. <laughs> he, just, he just he ate up air yards all every game for Detroit, and and, and that and that makes him kind of naturally like a volatile fantasy option. You know, I. I I don't, you know, we're talking, we're talking positively about him. I'm, I'm in on these giants receivers for some reason, but uh, I, I don't see him as like a, like an easy plug and play low end wide receiver two in this offense. Thankfully he's being drafted as like a wide receiver 12. So I think that, you know, you, you can, you, you can still get him uh, in a 12 team league. Maybe you can plug him in as, as a flex in, in like favorable matchups and see, um, you know, and, and kind of hope for that, that long downfield uh, catch but you know he's getting he's he's going to get valuable targets and that's what we're looking for late in the draft then you say for some reason i again contend it's because you're a secret catholic like me and that you must punish thyself <laughs> self-denial yeah, i can't i can hardly deny it yeah i can't lawrence uh who is another veteran you like to bounce back in 2022 yes yeah, so now i'm gonna go move on to the running back a running back who's now in a new home uh Rojo. i gotta i was gonna say denny's gonna like this one lawrence Let's go, baby. Rojo, baby. Fire him up. Well, I ain't going to say fire him up. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Hold on now. I'm just saying he going to be better. Coming off a season in which he uh, finished ranked RB62. Um, again, another guy I look to, you know, cut that ranking in half. Now he's in a place 
with a coach where, you know, he ain't with Aaron's no more, so he can't be in no doghouse over there in Kansas City. They're going to actually need him uh, to run that football. Um, and he's also there with uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who, you know, he ain't better than Leonard Fournette. And Leonard Fournette, he just got off to, you know, he just popped off. So it was like you couldn't take him off the field, and he became a top 10 running back in fantasy. Uh, the Chiefs, they're going to have to change their game up. Uh, they're going to have to change their game plan on offense this year. Y'all talked about it a little earlier with no Tyreek Hill. We saw Patrick Mahomes do this a lot during the second half of the season where he was checking it down, checking it, taking what the defense gives him. So now when this team uh, gets in that league, uh, should, they, should they do that like we expect them to, you can expect to be seeing Rojo pounding the rock uh, during the end of those games. And he should have some, he should have some value because uh, you could expect to see him by the goal line as well. Denny, I know early in the show you made the startling admission that you're now committed to taking good <laughs> players, but and there's no way you're not in on Ronald Jones, correct? Absolutely. No, I'm, I'm completely sold on Ronald Jones as a, <laughs> as, a late, as a late round guy. Ronald Jones, like when he wasn't benched for, I don't know, missing a block uh, in, in, in pass protection, was has been really good. Like I, like I know the mistakes are backbreaking. The mistakes draw the ire of coaches and, you know, rightfully so maybe. But, you know, if if he can stay relatively mistake free, he is by far the best back in the Kansas City backfield. And we just have to hope and pray uh, not to get religious, but that he, you know, See, that, you that, that he doesn't that he doesn't, uh, you know, draw. Although I will say uh, uh, Andy Reid is, is different. Andy Reid is different than uh, what is it? Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians loves to just ruin running backs like like they like that's his one passion in life. Right. And Andy Reid. Remember this? Uh, Kareem Hunt fumbled in the on the first possession of his rookie year. First touch. First touch. Didn't, didn't even matter. Didn't matter. He put him right back matter. out there. Hunt went crazy for 200 total yards. And I think four touchdowns in that game. Andy Reid is not Bruce Arians. Thank God for that. I will say, I was. It's interesting you made that point, Danny. I was going to bring it up. He's a lot more reasonable than Bruce Arians, but he is like he had he he benched like he gave up on the Sean McCoy, you know, who made a few too many mistakes and there's a guy I already had like a history with too and he doesn't have like endless patience like rojo so like rojo if you're rojo you want your coach to be someone who's not going to bench you for your first mistake but rojo also makes enough like there's and basically no coach in the nfl where, where, who's going to have like endless patience with a guy who is like missing one blitz pickup after another or fumbling and it does remain a concern um, but i will say I too you guys are right sorry uh yeah. Their, their skill sets mix so well, Rojo and CH. Maybe CH can finally focus on just being the change of pace third down guy. Yeah. And Rojo, yeah, when he's not coughing the ball up or getting Tom Brady broken in two, he's one of the better early down runners in the entire NFL. Yeah. Just like you said, Denny, when he's not missing a block in blitz pickup. See, for Tom Brady, that matters. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, he'll just run for right. 200 yeah. yards in the backfield, <laughs> so it don't even matter. You could miss that block every once in a while. He's going to run in them circles and, and throw it with the flick of the wrist 80 yards. So it's cool. Hey, miss a few blocks. It's He's, cool, man. It's all good. That's actually a great point, Lawrence. I, <laughs> I, I hadn't thought of like, yeah, when you have a stationary, you know, like set in stone quarterback, you if you miss a block, it, it turns into a, fa a sack fumble. And uh, yeah. not so with Mahomes. So, yeah, good point. Yeah, Mahomes might actually prefer a few blown blitz pickups because then he gets like yeah, kind of love it. Around. He love it. He want to show off. He want to yeah. show. <laughs> he want to show that he elusive too. <laughs> He's, he's sneaky elusive too. I, you know, he doesn't look like he's he should he could be should be elusive, but he is. Well, yeah, it's pointed out. Yeah, he's the guy. Like he's basically the ultimate dad runner. Where he's oh. all, he's he's always somehow though. No matter what, he's like just one step fast enough. He's like if Russell Wilson were still fast, basically. Every time. Uh, Lawrence, who is your third and final veteran where you're looking right. to bounce back in 2022? Yes, yes. So we're going to go Julio Jones. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but I am going to stick with a former Falcon. That is going to be my boy, Matt Ryan. <clears throat> uh, it, it probably will be, not probably, he will be, uh, in the best situation offensive line-wise that he's oh, yeah. pretty much ever been in his career. Probably his entire career. Yeah. Now, he don't have, you know, prime Julio or Roddy White or any of those guys, 
but you do have uh, the best running back in the game, which that he's never had that either, in uh, Jonathan Taylor. Now, he finishes quarterback 20 last year in fantasy. Now, I don't expect a huge jump from him in that department because uh, you would expect this team to be uh, winning some games, especially in that division in which they play. But he can give you some weeks in which he uh, gives you quarterback one numbers. Uh, I see him. He, he could put up numbers similar to what Carson Wentz did, like 27 and 7 without the turnovers and without choking against the Jaguars at the end of the season with a playoff uh, spot on the line. I could see Matt Ryan giving you that when you now ha- you give him a you give him a stable line, uh, the best running game in the league, and a defense that can actually stop somebody. These are things that Matt Ryan he might not even know what to do. So <laughs> he don't he might he's like, oh we got guys that play defense. Oh man, I'm still not sacked yet. Right. What do I like? He might so. With all that, I expect him to be a little bit better uh, mid-level quarterback, too, and he'll give you some good weeks with with uh, Michael Pittman and them. So I, I feel good about him bouncing back this season. I feel like that was a pretty underrated like storyline for Matt Ryan in the past, like his post-Kyle Shanahan years, basically, where you know maybe his lack of mobility would sometimes make the Falcons line look a little worse than it was, but it was just a bad line. I mean, he took more sacks. He's, I know he's for a fact he's amongst like the overall league leader in sacks like the past three or four years, maybe the most oh, yeah. sacks where he just got hit over and over and over again. Could, can never be kept upright these past almost four or five years, really. And there's another great point. Sorry, I mean, he's never ever had a running back. I mean, anywhere, not even just a running, a backfield, but with you know, Jonathan Taylor, the best, maybe the second best early down runner in the league now after Derrick Henry, and then one of the better pass catching backs in Naheem Hines. I mean, Denny, are you seeing any? Are you feeling any Matt Ryan love, or uh, yeah, sure. are you too committed to good players now? No, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm already trending back toward toward taking players who are not great. But uh, <laughs> look, uh, the uh, just to emphasize your point. Uh, the Falcons had, according to Pro Football Focus, the second worst pass protection last year and the fifth worst the oh. the year before. Yeah, only not the Dolphins surprising. were worse last year, and the Dolphins were an abomination protecting quarterbacks. So. Yeah, and the 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 Colts, you know, are at least like like middling in pass protection. They're great pass uh, run blocking, uh, but it's a huge improvement uh, for for his situation. And uh, yeah, I, I I wrote about a, a little bit about um, you know there are some indications that he's he's not washed. You know, like he's not what he was during his you know MVP uh, yeah. type seasons. But he doesn't he doesn't need to be. And I think he he represents a market upgrade over, over Carson Wentz. I, I kind of get pushback for that and I'm not sure why, but I, I believe that's, that's, that to be the case. I'm not sure why either, but we'll fight them together. Yes, please. Lawrence. I Quite literally not even a debate. I mean, Carson Wentz is going to be like out of the league in probably 18 months and which is wild. Yeah. Kind of really is. Didn't you mention the dolphins pass protection, by the way, last year, there were like, like six or seven amazing gifts of like Austin Jackson, basically it's like blocking <laughs> air. Like the pass rusher is just like already around him, like sacking Tua, um, eating Tua's lunch. So yeah, it was a. Uh, it was amazing, actually. You you would see Tua actually not even be able to complete his drop back. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> Austin Jackson would basically be like, like, almost like he was literally like in a walkthrough. Yeah, and I'm talking about like a short, like a three step drop back, and yeah. he would get to the third step, and you someone would, he, would be around his what? ankles. Did you say Pat? He doing a dance from thr- from Thriller. Yeah, <laughs> like, he really was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like TJ Watt would like almost like he would like be running slower than usual. But like, I kind of feel bad, and he just still <laughs> would just be by him uh, within two seconds. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully that improves under Mike McDaniel. Uh, Lauren, the topic near and dear to our heart is rookie running backs who might not really contribute in 2022. We're just been all summer talking about rookie running backs. We want to actually have big roles. Yeah. Um, so who are t- who? We're going to do talk two rookie running backs. You like kind of beyond like the big names like Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker. Who who's the first rookie running back you're looking forward to seeing this year? Well, um, that that's going to be uh Damian Pierce out of Florida. Um just a, a good landing spot for him. Uh, I know he didn't get picked into the fourth round, but that's kind of where we all expected him to be drafted. Anyway, I think we all was kind of waiting to see 
which running back landed with the Texans because it could have been any one of these guys. It could have been Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker, and we knew they would be coming into a situation where they would at least have a chance to uh, claim a big role in that. Now, there have been some rumblings uh, uh, about these uh, Twitter streets, about uh, Damian Pierce not being able to, you know, take advantage of that based on the fact that he had a small workload in college. But I kind of see that as a good thing. Um, Alvin Kamara never led his team in rushing uh, at Tennessee or at Alabama. Um, And you see what he's done now. The thing that's working in Damian Pierce's favor is that it's not like he's coming in behind Austin Eckler like Isaiah Spiller. You know, um, he doesn't even have Rashad Penny like Kenneth Walker. He's got uh, Marlon Mack, who, you know, he's going to get his, his, I think this probably his last chance to be some type of dude in the league. And then you got Rex Burkhead there who, you know, he like a journeyman, journeyman running back who I think I, he one of them late games in the season, he went off. And I was like, okay, I see you, Rex. But – that ain't going to be happening in no time soon again, I don't think so. But uh, I think early on, they'll be like in a little committee. Um, that's how you, that's how most rookies come in, you know, start out in a little committee. And then I think his skill set, his size, skill set, and speed for a dude his size, um, eventually that'll, uh, that'll take over at some point in the season. And we could be talking about him as the top rookie running back in fantasy. And the thing about running back, rookie running backs in fantasy, they could come from literally anywhere. Shout out to Elijah Mitchell, James mm-hmm. Robinson. Yeah. They literally, So it could be some guy we're not even talking about right mm-hmm. now, which is crazy. But based on what we know, uh, one of the guys I like is Damian Pierce. That's such a good point. You have to be like so open-minded about rookie running backs. It's like the year that James Robinson, like we weren't looking to the Jags for fantasy value but they just had the guy yeah, who got the touches and like, it's truly like, you can't be an elitist about it. And I mean, Denny, what do you think is going to like be the deal with Damian Pierce? Is his ADP going to get inflated? Cause I mean, a lot of us are all thinking the same things about Damian Pierce, like making laying out the very reasonable case Lawrence said, there's not much competition in this backfield at all. And, but do you see the ADP staying reasonable? Do you see it getting inflated like beyond where he's a good zero right. RB target? What do you think? I could see him definitely getting way, way too far up the draft board in the summer, especially if if there's buzz in training camp. Uh, the, the beat writers for the Texans are saying, hey, look, he's the best player here. He's the best guy in the backfield. If he if he blows up in the preseason, um, we know how preseason highlights can inflate ADPs. Uh, and uh, Amir uh, Abdullah doesn't know what you're talking about. No, he has no idea. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, and, and I, I, I could see that happening. I could, and conversely, I could see, you know, Lovey Smith and his coaching staff saying, you know, you're a rookie, you have to wait your turn. And he would have to wait, we would have to wait, uh, you know, maybe weeks and weeks, maybe months in order for him to get a real shot, a real crack at like an every down role or even a, a an early down role in that Texans backfield. So I'm going to be, a, I'm going to be a little bit uh, wary of, of that situation. Now, Rex Burkhead, on the other hand, oh my is, God. Inter- is interesting. Like Lawrence, did you know you were, Lawrence? You were referencing Rex Burkhead, like kind of having a big game. Rex Burkhead had seventy-eight touches over the final four games last year. Like that's that's boss things right there. That, that, that can't happen. That can't happen. <laughs> that just straight up can't happen. Well, and, but this is another we, what we were talking about a minute ago. Like that, it was like you know Rex Burkhead has always been somewhat of a fantasy punch punchline. But like last year, it was like, oh, you're playing Rex Burkhead, I bet. Well, he was going to get 25 carries, so yeah, I guess. Well, yeah, week 16, the day after Christmas, he had 22 carries for 149 yards and two touchdowns. And it was it was it was fairly obvious that he was going to get a, like a major opportunity. I'm just. It was saying. against the Chargers too, who could not stop the run last year. But his three of the so uh, in that four game stretch, the three other games he averaged on under three yards per carry every game. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, there you go, Rex. Yeah. Damian Pierce, come on, man, you got you got to do something here. Um, Lawrence, who is the other rookie running back you would like to talk about? All right, I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna take it down to the A right here, man. Uh, Tyler Algier, fifth round pick uh, in Atlanta, and this is you know, right now it's shaping out to be a, a good situation and a good opportunity for him. 
it seems that all all he got to do is just show him that he could play. Um, they didn't sign any of these, uh, you know, they didn't sign Sony Michelle. But if he did sign with Atlanta, like you could have seen that happening. Um, I expect them to use Cordero Patterson. Well, they've talked about using Cordero Patterson more as a receiver because you can't just, you know, 41 ISO him down the field like you did last year. But I think a lot of that had to do with the ineffectiveness of Mike Davis speaking to averaging under three yards a carry or close <laughs> to it. Um, a lot of that. And, and then when, I mean, Cordero Patterson was hot, you need a, a true running back to get back there and, and run that ball. He remind me of like a young little Michael Turner, old Atlanta oh, running back from, from back in the day. Yeah. Uh, he, he a little lighter in the draws than that, but he's still, <laughs> he's still stout. You know what I'm saying? Um, now they all, once he got drafted, they always show this highlight. The biggest highlight they show of him is on defense. Uh, he running, he's running down a, a, a defensive player rather who got the turnover. He run him down and forced the fumble. Now he, he, uh, he played linebacker when he first got to college. So I just like that mentality that he got. So he, he's already had a, he had a full season of playing linebacker at BYU. Now you got him at running back. And, and, and although at 5'11", 225, you would think, oh, he just some big dude who run the ball. Nah, he caught over 20 passes uh, in his last year in route to scoring 23 total touchdowns. So if he could get in there and just show he show that you got a pulse, you know what I'm saying? Because speaking of competition, there ain't much there either, you know? So if he could do that, he could come into a situation where he could end up surprising people and being that late-round draft pick who does produce in year one. It might be even less competition than Damian Pierce is dealing with in Houston. And yeah. Denny, do you feel any better yeah. about this one, Denny, or you still kind of have to wait for the dust to settle in the ADP? No, no I feel I feel confident that, that Algier is is the the only back that I I want in in Atlanta. And I'm not I guess I'm not counting Cordero Patterson, who I I don't know about his eligibility in fantasy this year. I guess it maybe depends on platform, but um, but yeah, I'm I'm very interested in him. Uh, I guess the the one hedge I have is will the Falcons be in position to run the ball? And the answer is probably, probably no, you know, it probably, unless they're playing a really bad team, they're probably not going to be able to do what, like, the what do you mean? They are the really bad team. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and, Denny, and, by and, the same token, they're not going to throw 40 times a game with Marcus Mariota either. Well, so I bet they will run. Here's the hoping uh, they won't. They also, according to PFF had the, the worst uh, pass blocking unit in the league last year. So it's, uh, it's going to be going to be a little bit tough, but volume wise, I think the the rookie could have a, uh, you know, a, a good deal there. Lawrence, I think you're right about Cordero Patterson's usage, by the way, where we kind of saw that last year where they really in the final, like four or five weeks of the season, like eased off the gas with him as a runner. And I think he like openly talked about it. He was just kind of like out of gas, like, he had never taken anywhere close to that many hits and you could see it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You could see it. And we're like, it was fun and, and cool, but maybe and like lucky they didn't get hurt or anything like that, but maybe not like a sustainable approach for him. And like maybe going back to like much more of, yeah, like he's a wide receiver who runs the ball sometimes instead of a running back who catches some passes sometimes. So I think you're right there. Uh, Damian Williams. Am I right folks? Uh, um, I don't know about that. Watch it be him. Yeah, I know. It would Just be watch. the worst. Or, like, I mean, who is like uh, Quadre Olison still on the team? Uh, yeah. yeah, he is, but that's another, you know, two yard per carry type yeah. of dude. He just. Caleb Huntley? Um, oh, and that's that even, yeah, even worse. Yeah, just, just yelling out random. They just names. got a bunch of big dogs back there that can't really do nothing. So. Yeah. Yeah, Lawrence, man, I mean, Team, I gotta tell you, the old ball squad not looking too good this year. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I got faith, man. Twelve wins, man. What you, you talking about? Twelve Ooh. and five in this now. Seven. I didn't say this year or this decade, <laughs> but I am saying they're gonna win, and I didn't say in one season either. Mm-hmm. You're saying there will be twelve more wins in the history of the Falcons franchise. <laughs> yes, indeed, yes, indeed. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's a safe bet. That's a safe bet. Thank you so much for joining, Lawrence. Uh, joining, joining. I can't speak. Joining us, Lawrence. Um, thank you so much for joining, Lawrence, Denny, and I. If you've been watching or listening, uh, we'll be back later in the week with our special schedule release show. 
we'll be back next week with all sorts of podcast goodness. Even though we're in draft guide season, lots of stuff going up at the site. I know we got some stuff coming from Zach Kruger this week. I think we have something maybe coming from Lauren Carpenter. Hopefully I'm not misspeaking there. Uh, all the news, keep it locked, uh, rookie mini camps, et cetera. All that's going to be going on soon here. So thank you for listening. For Lawrence, for Denny, I am Pat. We will catch you later. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.